Welcome to Sound DeFi. I'm your host, Chris Berg. Recently, there was a very special event, Digital Assets Week in Singapore. There was a conversation there between our guest today, also Anthony Woolley. He's the head of business development of Onera. But joining us today was part of that conversation, Todd Stevens. He's the global head of capital markets and corporate development for Invenium. Todd, great to see you. Welcome to the show. Great to see you too. So you and Anthony had a chance to talk about bringing global distribution to the private markets. We're about to share that video. It's about 18 minutes long here in a moment with our audience. What do you feel is the single most important thing a person should be taking out of your conversation with Anthony? I think the conversation was great. I think anyone who really wants to gain valuable insights into the future of financial market infrastructure, this is a listen. Also, if you play in the 500 trillion plus dollar private asset market as an asset owner or an asset manager, this can help you future-proof your business. A lot of us like to talk about and say blockchain is the new internet. I think this is also interesting for people that would think about going back to 1995 and reliving the evolution of the internet. If they find that interesting, I think they'll find the broader blockchain conversations very intriguing. And 500 trillion, that piqued my interest too. That's a big number. You've got a vast background within capital markets. Just share a little bit about Todd Stevens. I've spent my whole career in kind of centralized finance. I've been at Avinium for the last two years. And prior to Avinium, I spent 20 plus years in investment banking, most laterally at Deutsche Bank running global businesses. So I've spent time in London. I spent time in New York. You've seen some of the insides and outs and the history gives me a little more perspective on I think where we're going because I think the digital asset world is going to be have a lot of pattern recognition from the traditional finance world. You use that word also within your conversation with Anthony, pattern recognition. So tell us what you just mentioned, the future of finance as well. Where do you see this going? Yeah, so I don't think this is going to be a rewrite. It's not going to be revolution. It's going to be much more evolution. We're going to learn and squeeze out more efficiencies from the existing system. And then with those efficiencies, liquidity will follow on. And blockchain is the internet of value. And in financial markets, value is transacted on a high scale every single day. So we're going to share this 18-minute conversation with Anthony. For the people listening right now and or watching, what's the problem that you're trying to solve? Like who, who specifically, who's the audience you're speaking to in this conversation? Any digital asset user. Digital asset infrastructure, it's going to enable fairer access to private market assets and public market assets. This is going to be a big positive for society. And in Vidium, we have a massive focus to ensure the rapid evolution of, of this digital security space. So anyone interested in the future of finance should find this video interesting. And if you missed us in Singapore or want to learn more deep content from industry leaders, come visit us in London on the 15th and 16th of November. The details will be in the show notes, but you can find us at daweek.org forward slash London. The future finance. Here it is with Anthony Woolley, head of business development at Onera. Also Todd Stevens, global head of capital markets and corporate development at Invenium. Just to explain for those who don't know who Invenium are, what they do, etc. Quick rundown on what you do and where you're at right now. Yeah, Invenium, we're an operating system for data. We want to be, we have two business models. One's a traditional business model where we're solving some of the pain points in, in, with asset owners and asset managers on a traditional sense. But really our core focus is when assets trade digitally. And so we're a big cheerleader for everything that's going on here. We want all the security tokens to trade, the volumes to grow, because we want to be that data layer for those security tokens. We want to be the decentralized Edgar database. So when you go into an exchange and you see a security token, like you're going to want to get underneath the cover. You need to understand what is beneath the surface. So you click in it and there'll be a routing uh, through the smart contract that will go to the issuer's 
database, so on their own system. So if you look inside our database, we're not a centralized database, you look at us and it will look like a card catalog. We'll have pointers to where all the data is. Very decentralized. Our strong thesis is data sovereignty. Asset owners and asset managers need to own and control their own data. And we think this is going to be the, the main mantra of, of Web3 and we think that, that this will help bring more assets onto the blockchain because people understand that they own the data and that data is composable. They'll be even able to take that data and push it into indices and get paid for it. In the, in the real estate industry, there's a behemoth called CoStar, and, and what they do is they take unstructured data from their customers and they structure it and sell it back to their customers. And it just drives the customers crazy. And so what we're doing is we're putting the ability into the hands of the, the asset owners to structure their own data. Yeah, so if you've got a public company, right, they've IPO'd, they've got these regulatory obligations about reporting, so you want to buy Apple shares, you can find out a lot about Apple. But in this private market space, there isn't that transparency, right? So if you've got an investor, I guess you might have family offices, et cetera. You, give them, you offer them SpaceX or you say I've tokenized and distributed Marina Bay Sands. They go, yeah, we'll have some of that. But most of the time it's not that. But you're looking at portfolios of real estate or other type of assets and you need good information about it, right? Yeah, Graham was mentioning just recently their biggest take-up is funds. And then ADDX, their biggest uptake is funds. Funds are complicated beasts. If they want to trade on a secondary market basis, you have to get underneath the covers and understand what's in the funds. And that's what we do. We can help people zero into each of the line items in the funds, get a valuation on each of the private equity items in those funds, and we can roll it up and send it out. That's not going to be where they trade. It's just the indicator of value. They'll trade at either a premium or a discount to that. But, but what we do is enable the market to be more efficient. And again, back to the, what we're, you were talking about before in terms of connecting the kind of the global distribution network. We love what Onera is doing, the orchestration layer. We also think that there's going to be a lot of broker-dealer to broker-dealer kind of connectivity. And we play a big role in that as well because the more assets that are trading, the more they need a data layer. So we, we see a big opportunity in, in, in the global connectivity of, uh, of ATSs. And again, like most of the people inside Invenium were old retired bankers and from centralized finance and we know what the plumbing looks like. And so we're big believers that history is just going to repeat itself and you have some pattern recognition. And the key pattern recognition that, that we see with ATS is, is back like in the ECNs when they used to trade back in the 90s. And, and then you had seven or nine major ECNs. And then all of a sudden, the, the ECNs kind of clubbed together and they said, you know what, we think we need to interconnect. And seven of the nine of them interconnected, Island, Archipelago, Bloomberg, Tradebook, and two of them didn't. And then they went along their way for about three or four years, and then boom, reg NMS hits in 2005. And the ones that had connected were future-proofed, and, and they got all the volumes. The other two that didn't connect, they merged and got bought out within 18 months. So I think we'll see the same in the ATS land. There'll be a lot of connectivity globally. And that connectivity is because you don't know where the buyer's going to be, and you don't know where the seller's going to be. And then I think there'll be an ecosystem of interdealer brokers that kind of go around because there's a lot of regulatory issues with respect to reverse inquiry and, and whatnot. So if something's not listed on your exchange in Singapore, you can't actively market that asset, but you can get, take reverse inquiry. And this is why God created interdealer brokers. It's, it's just a, it's going to repeat itself. So you're seeing those parallels from traditional finance, TradFi as a call. I think it's interesting you see a lot of, you'll see nowadays, a lot of individuals, they stand up on stage and say, I've worked 25 years in capital markets. I guess you're seeing a lot of the migration of people who lived through electronification of the foreign exchange markets or whatever, then attracted to this type of environment. So see it play out again. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like the, the, these same people who are the people that, that, that collected nice little, they clipped coupons at banks, 
And now they see the upside. They say, this might be the hockey stick trade for me. And, but more importantly, we have a community of people around here that act like owners. And that's super important because when you lived in TradFi, everybody wanted to fight each other for that slice of the pie. And the beauty in this bit, the pie is growing. So we're not fighting for slices. That's why we can all be friends and grow because there, there, there's so much growth that's coming. And we're, we have such a massive addressable market. It's just, it, it's, it promotes kind of friendly competition, let's call it. I guess in the private markets, if you have, if you manage to run a digital exchange and you had a thousand great assets and you had 10,000 serious investors, and I guess many don't have that volume, you've still only got like a massive tiny fraction of the potential addressable market. And you're probably still not at a level where you can start to generate enough distribution for liquidity because the investor that wants to buy that asset maybe in Abu Dhabi or Singapore or London or... Yeah, I would go back to that ECN analogy. The go-it-alone people will, and interoperability will reign. Technology will continue to evolve at such a fast pace. You have to be permissionless, you have to be public, and you have to be interconnected. And again, all these ATSs will learn to share fees. Who knows what the model is going to evolve to be, but whoever brings the value, that it's going to mimic largely the centralized finance kind of fee model. If you're selling a money market fund, you're going to get paid much less. If you're selling a private equity stake, you're going to get paid a lot more. If I onboarded the private equity stake, I get... 60% of the value and you sell it, you get 40% of the value. These things are going to evolve and it's going to be very traditional and it's going to look a lot like what we've seen before, but it's going to be underpinned by a layer of efficiency that will just drive the volume growth. And again, we don't know what that tipping point will be, but again, I think education has a lot to do it for it. The work that, that Anthony, you and the team do with the, the new brand of GBBF is... Yeah. It's a bit of a mouthful. GBBC Digital GBBC, Finance. Sorry. There we go. Yeah, very good. So yeah, so we were talking to a panel about global distribution. Obviously, with Onera, we're focused on doing the distribution, having rails that can unlock some of this. You're focused on the data. So what are some of the challenges for you around global distribution then when you're looking at the, the data problem and how you do that? For us, it's, whether it's in a Singapore asset or a US asset, it, it, it's all the same. So that's the reason we're spending a lot of time trying to connect the kind of the dots a bit. And that's why we're such a big fan of Onera and what you guys are trying to do and try to bring together that, that orchestration layer, that global distribution layer. So we've, I actually, part of my role at Invenium, I look after our corporate ventures. We probably have two handfuls of investments, small investments we've made in, in a lot of different companies. And that's because we want to support them. We want to be connected to everyone either by contract or technology. We want our technology linked into to all these liquidity pools. And so we're heavily on the side of pushing that global distribution network. And um, can I ask a question to you? Please ask me a question. So what's Renera's thoughts on that? You guys play in a pretty important role in, in, in making this successful. How about uh, just two minutes on Renera? Yeah, so Onera, the global distribution problem, and I touched on some of it here, and the reason I'm chairing this not-for-profit group is you want to make sure that you, we, we knew from the outset, you wouldn't have a situation where you'd have, one want a better word, an exchange, right? And everybody will connect to that exchange. It's not going to happen, right? And at Onera, we're not building an exchange. We don't have a venue with a matching engine, etc. The approach we took, we understood that, looking from the traditional world as well, that if you're going to have institutional engagement, you have different institutional players. They carry the regulatory licenses for whatever they do. And what we did with the protocol that we've driving, been driving with the industry to, to have buy-in for, FinP2P, the clues in the name, what it enables you to do is establish peer-to-peer -peer connections between institutions. Those institutions are either bringing assets, 
So you might have somebody representing an issuer or an exchange, and you've got institutions bringing in investors. They could be private banks, asset managers, wealth managers, etc. In the case of exchange, they're bringing both assets and investors. And what they want to do, much we heard Graham with those digital exchanges, is open up distribution. So they want to be able to establish a relationship bilaterally from one institution that has maybe a pool of assets and they want to reach another institution that has pools of investors and off you go. It's something we've seen reflected in traditional finance in terms of the thought process of the way we think about this but it's technology and now, now enables you to do it digitally. The hard bit, I think a lot of people the last few years, everybody knew we wanted interoperability but people have got them knotted up in the tech layer saying we've got to make these blockchains interoperate. Actually, it was a bit nonsensical. If you're techie about this, people have bridges and they say, we're going to move this asset from this blockchain to that blockchain. Actually, what we're talking about here are not cryptocurrencies. Like Bitcoin is like a bearer asset. When you move it, you have a private public key pair. And then when I transfer it to you, you've got the Bitcoin and I don't have to worry about it anymore. When you're digitizing securities, that's not the case. You're dealing with regulated securities. Ultimately, the person that's issuing the security is responsible for that. If I'm selling some security to Todd and he's sanctioned under some regulatory uh, sanctions, then that's my problem and his problem as well. So actually, in our environment, when we connect to these different environments with these rails, we're not moving those assets around. What we're doing is you have different assets tokenized in different environments. They could be on Ethereum or Stellar or Tezos or Corda or Quorum. These are all the names of different blockchains you're here. What we're doing is in those environments, the regulated securities, so somebody there will have responsibility for the record of ownership of that security, a transfer agent, a CSD, whoever it might be. And what we do is enable investors remotely with a cryptographic identity, so the investor has a unique cryptographic identity, to be able to invest in those assets. And when they do, what's happening is there's a real-time update to the record of ownership of the security with that investor, right? So the investor wants to invest in tokenized Marina Bay Sands. They have a wallet alongside it. They can see SpaceX and funds and all of it's got the valuation data from Invenium, et cetera. When they click, they don't know where that asset is. They don't care what blockchain technology it's on. Their private bank's just given them an app. Or maybe the private bank actually still presses the buttons. They ring up the guy on his boat and he says, yeah, I'd like to invest in that. But whatever they give them, when the investor clicks in real time, you're updating the record of ownership, the transfer agent's going, you are now on the cap table of this asset, and you're releasing the funds to the seller. And that could take three seconds, as opposed to six to eight weeks. And so this is the future. And when you can create distribution rails that enable you to update the record of ownership of a security and settle in real time, actually, it doesn't care what type of security it is. Right? Private markets is the biggest market on the planet, start there, but it's a clean sheet of paper. It doesn't have 30 or 40 years of legacy like the public capital markets. But once you've built that new house and once you can do those things, maybe you can start to orchestrate public securities. And I think from a mindset point of view, we're very much of the view, I've seen the last few years, the industry spend billions trying to rewire the public capital markets from underneath. It's like trying to jack up an old house and change the foundations and drop it back down again. It probably won't happen. And if it does, it won't look very nice. So we say if you can digitize the private markets and with securities, you start with that blank sheet of paper, then maybe you start to move some of those public securities into, the, into that new house. So ultimately, we found an approach which enables investors, wherever they are in the world, bought to the network by their institution. It's that institution that's KYCing them, not the asset tokenization environment, to be able to see assets wherever they are in the world, whatever type of blockchain technology they're on, because they don't really care. Yeah, and that, that makes me 
back to the point where in my previous life at Deutsche Bank, like I looked after a private markets team globally, and our biggest issue was selling private market assets in different jurisdictions. You just had to stay ahead of the accreditation standards in each location. And what you did is you went to a trusted source, you paid your lawyer $1,500 an hour, he spent 30 hours and told you what you knew that would take him 30 minutes to do. And here, all this can be tied up in a handy a smart contract, like, like an on-chain ID that our friends at Tokeny have. People could have a little blue check mark next to their name, and then you'll know they're accredited. You can approach them in that jurisdiction. And so that, that's some of the efficiency that we're going to see. I think private markets are meant for distributed ledger because it just enables their ability to move and trade. And you've still got some of that complexity behind that, legal reg, et cetera. But the, with the technology, with these methods, you can do that before the trade, right? When you bring an asset into this environment, the asset has attributes. We say, oh, it's shares in a private company. It's issued out of the US. It's under a reg S exemption. We're issuing it internationally. We can't issue it to these jurisdictions. It can only be for accredited investors. That can all be codified. And then on the investor side, the investor comes to the network. They're carrying attributes, actually. I'm domiciled in London, I'm a credited investor, I'm not sanctioned, I'm not a PEP, etc. These can all be codified and then when you do the transaction, all those things are known and then they, that marriage can come together and make that transaction happen. So a lot of it is about, there's still some complexity, there always will be, but it's taking that before the transaction happens and then you can execute, invest in something, go on the cap table and settle in a few seconds. So in the previous session, you mentioned to Simon, like all their hard work, somebody could just come by and just pick it up and do it again. Could people do the same thing with Onera? You're open source. Does that scare you guys? Or, or in five years' time, are we going to see three Oneras or one big Onera and, and two lesser beings? Yeah, this is a mindset, open versus closed mindset, right? Yeah. So you have companies that say, oh, I've got this amazing IP, I'm not going to tell anybody out, and I'm going to build something, and I'm not going to tell anybody about it, and then nothing happens. If you've got an open mindset, and you've got confidence to do this, right? We wake up every morning, we're focused on implementing commercial implementations of these FinP2P nodes. Somebody else could do it. Right? Actually, it needs to be somebody that is relatively neutral, right? Because if it's one of the big vertical players, people are going, I'm competing with them on this other thing. Yep. So we focus very hard on being a thin neutral layer. But other people could do it, and we could welcome that, much like these digital exchanges are talking to each other. This is the biggest market on the planet. It's if there are other people trying to do what we do, that's validation that actually we're doing the right thing. And ultimately, this is a very big pie. Right. And if a, we're fighting for the slices, we're missing something. The, yeah, that becomes a philosophical thing. Do you worry about how many pieces you can slice the pie in, or do you worry about how big the pie is? And the pie, this pie is trillions and trillions of dollars. Agreed. Very good. Fantastic. Lovely to talk to you, That's great. Todd. That's great. Thank you. On to the next one. Thank you. Todd, great job there with Anthony. If people want more information about the future of finances, you dubbed it and or Invenium, where can they go? Invenium website, invenium.io, or you can hit me directly at tstevens at invenium.io. Anything else you want to add or share? No, we're really excited about the talk and really excited about the future. There you have it. This is Sound DeFi. I'm your host, Chris Berg. Find out more at invenium.io and the future of finance.